0: I don't know what the fuck I'm doing podcast.
1: We are your hosts, Anastasia.
0: And David.
1: If this is your first time listening, this is the podcast where we humorously normalize uncertainty.
0: We encourage and support entrepreneurs who are determined to
1: crush it anyway. New episodes are released every Tuesday
0: and Thursday. We cover three areas of topics in the podcast, including business, health, and relationships.
1: We also interview guests with successful business owners who tell their what the fuck stories and
0: share some resources to help you keep doing something.
1: So let's all explore
0: how no one really knows
1: what the fuck they're, fuck they're
0: doing. Welcome everybody.
1: Hello to again.
0: another episode of IDKWTF I'm Doing Podcast.
1: That means I don't know what the fuck I'm doing podcast. today we have an awesome person on the cast today. I've been following this guy a little bit on TikTok. That's how I was introduced to him. And come to find out, he's got all sorts of cool things about him that you heard in the bio where he's been on TEDx, he's spoken at the UN, and he's lived all over the world. And so we're really excited to talk to this guy because I think he has a few, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing stories, but also some great value that he can bring to you today to help you, your business, and your life to move forward at a more thriving pace.
2: Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on here and excited to share stories. Telling stories is my favorite thing to do, and so I'm humbled to be in your presence, and uh, to anyone else watching anywhere, hi, yeah. mask we're-
0: up, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're honored that you're here joining us today. For our audience, can you just give us a little bit of a bio, kind of where you came from and kind of what you do? Sure. So. Most people don't know this, but I'm from Krypton. Superman is my cousin, but mm. on the mm. passport, <laughs> I'm from, I'm from you Nigeria. Know, <laughs> I think at this point, like no one would be that surprised right? if that was actually that's true. Fair. Especially like, oh. now
1: that we know that aliens exist from the United States government, I mean uh, now we can trust that.
2: That's, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. I, I'm I'm from Nigeria. I was born in Lagos, Nigeria, and uh, I grew up as the son of a diplomat. So that meant we traveled a lot. I grew up in five countries and four continents. So so, I call myself a, a cultural translator. And, uh, you know, I, I also had the experience, I always say, I had the experience of being black on four continents. And that has its own set of uh, mm. stories, I'm sure that we'll get into those very soon. But <clears throat> leads into the work that I do, which is helping companies and individuals connect effectively across cultures. Mm. I had the personal experience of knowing what it's like to be excluded and to have an identity crisis. And as I was finding myself, you know, going down that journey of finding myself, I, I you know you start to get familiar with certain systems of oppression, and mm-hmm. at some point down the line, I felt like uh, I wanted to fight those systems of oppression, and I built a business around that. And here we awesome.
1: Are. Yeah, yeah nice. And where are you in the world today?
2: New York City.:
1: Ooh, big apple. <laughs>
2: The Big Apple. That's what they call it, right? That's that's what they call it. It's the city so nice, they named it twice.
1: (laughs) I love that. It's hilarious. (laughs) Reminds me of of a YouTube and TikTok reactor. Actually, he says, if it sounds nice, you play it twice. There you go. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that saying. <laughs> so what do you find, you know, being in New York City, uh, you know, you definitely talk about culture, diversity, and you know, the Big Apple is definitely a big place for that. Mm-hmm. We are actually uh what do they call us natives in Colorado. And so it was a place that wasn't as diverse as it is today. And so it's actually really great that we're seeing a lot more diversity here, but the Big Apple's pretty much always been diverse. So has New York also kind of had some imprints on you and your business to really help it thrive?
2: Yeah, you know, New York was my first intentional move, and I say oh. that because yeah, every other place was. I was there for school. I came there, you know, for my parents had me there, you know, things like that. And so, uh, the, the move to New York, WTF story, in the way. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. So, August twenty-two, two thousand and twelve. I was uh, driving in my burgundy Toyota Camry at the time. I used to live in Virginia. I lived in a town that's unfortunately called Lynchburg. Uh, so, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a small college town. Uh, and I, I went to this uh, predominantly Christian university. It's mm-hmm. called Liberty University. And so it, it, was, it was an interesting experience because that was my introduction to the United States of America. It was very different uh. from... She's all that. Ten things I hated about you. Any of the things I've seen. <laughs> and so nice. I was like, okay, all right, this is a little different. But you know, uh, you start to learn how to navigate that. But part of that, it was it was a small college town, and I've always been kind of, I guess, a boisterous personality. And at that point, August twenty-two, two thousand twelve, I had taken this job because I had over eighty-five plus job rejections for various reasons. My visa, you're not a citizen. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. thought I was too idealistic. Uh, you know, I always had this grand <laughs> vision of trying to change the world. Nelson Mandela and Oprah Winfrey and my... I relate you know, to that.
1: Sounds familiar. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they all kept shutting me down. And I only, you know, you, you only have a few options if you're not a citizen. So mm. I wound up convincing someone I'd interned with before to say, hey, well, you know, this Twitter thing is starting off. I have a good following there. You think, you know, we could do something. I have a degree in marketing. Uh, he brought me on and then... um you know, they quickly changed my job to sales without any orientation and found myself doing this, having a $10,000 quota and a month quota. And I just hated the job, but mm-hmm. I, I was feeling guilty for feeling guilt, feeling bad about that because mm-hmm. it's like, you can't look the, you can't look a gift horse in the your mouth. You, you're, you're lucky to have a job. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And if you're a Nigerian, you're a lawyer, engineer, doctor, or failure. So, right. okay. Yeah heading towards that failure category but um so yeah I, i'd been in this job for a little bit and then as i was driving to work i got to the part where the road merged into the highway i was cruising down my lane and all of a sudden my 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 lane got cut into kind of half and then this neighboring car had lost control so i swerved out of the way so i didn't get hit and i smashed into left guardrail boo, one car guard, boom two car boom right guard boo, 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 and i hit the car the the left guardrail again with such impact the car is about to flip over the bridge, it's perpendicular, and I'm 22 years old at the time. And you know, all the cliche things, you know, what have you done with your life? Mm -hmm. I was this kid that was gonna, Mm -hmm. you know, impact the world and here I was in a job I hated in a town I didn't want to live in. I'm about to die without anything to say. Simultaneously, adrenaline kicked in. I slammed my brakes. I somehow pushed through the door and I got out of the car. And if you were standing next to me in the highway, you'd have seen, And then (laughs) two other cars were there. But the miraculous thing that happened was I was unharmed. Mm, my car wow. was totaled, but yeah. I was unharmed and two other cars hit and I just looked up and I was like, "You know what God, I, I, yeah I'm gonna I'm quitting this job <laughs> And if you're not a citizen, you either get married, you go to school or you find a job mm-hmm. right, that supports you. So I was coming down in my visa status. I, I, I didn't know how I was going to go to New York City. I just knew New York City was the city that I wanted to go to because it was the backdrop of all my favorite tv shows and movies and I, you know, <laughs> right. I felt some some life there so and I, I just wanted to live you know i almost died but i wanted to feel life right now yeah. so i wanted to find life and i was pretty much dying in the city and so new york city was what came to mind it reminded me of my my hometown of lagos and so i was like i'm gonna start studying for my mba I took my M, uh you know <laughs> i said my mcat <laughs> that, that is for my medical uh, exam i took my gmat and then okay. um just moved to the city, quit my oh. job. They they didn't know. They was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "I'm moving to the city." Yeah. <laughs>
1: Surprise! <laughs>
2: <laughs> didn't know anyone moved there. And then that that's when I began my my career uh, in earnest. And there's been uh, a few more stories about
0: that since then. But that was the okay. turning point. Yeah. What? So how did that conversation look when you were telling? <laughs> I assume your parents that you were saying. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, it was mixed.
2: And, See. You, with with my parents and I love my parents and you know now they're they they, they appreciate all my stubbornness but mm-hmm. yeah you understand the politics of your parents at this point point. and so mm-hmm. I knew if I couched it with higher education and, and they're like oh now I'm getting my MBA dad uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 so that was nice. that, that was the compromise <laughs>
1: like, oh right? okay <laughs> <laughs> that, was the,
2: that was the compromise the difficult conversation was when I decided not to do anything with my MBA and decided to launch a company without going you know, down the route of, of uh, you know, Deloitte or all, all the other companies. That yeah. was the more difficult conversation because I, I was going to school and then I was telling my dad, look, I launched this podcast. It's mm-hmm. doing really well. I'm not making any money from it, but I feel like I'm passionate about this and I feel like I, ha- I have an audience and I'm gonna grow it. I don't know mm-hmm. what it's gonna be yet, but I'm just not gonna do a job that I hate.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: yeah. like, it, but he couldn't understand that. We, I grew up under two dictatorships initially. And they grew up under several other dictatorships. So self-preservation is a yeah. big, big part for them. And so this kid who is daring, <laughs> who, as Obama would say, has the audacity of hope, despite all, <laughs> this, all, these, all these things, it was a little bit, uh, they were like, he hasn't stared. He hasn't done anything that we can really say is bad, but he keeps making us nervous, so we're right. gonna <laughs> cautiously trust him. But uh, so that was a more difficult conversation, but the MBA was like, oh, yeah, 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 you're going up there. So they felt good about that.
1: So I think our listeners and viewers can take some good strategy from this for <laughs> those who have parents that you feel you really need to to find a, a way to get to them, because <laughs> I could completely relate to that. I come from yeah. a family, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, comes from a family from, you know, a lot of high education. Um, even though we're not immigrants, there's a lot of pressure just kind of already put into the family that you go, you get a degree, you get an awesome job, you work there for 60 years, you know, that whole bit.
0: And uh,
1: I was like, I'm no longer doing that, I'm not going to England for school, I'm actually going to stay here and be a business owner and nobody got that. And it wasn't until I literally published my book, even though they knew it was coming out, it wasn't until I presented that to my grandmother where she finally was like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, I see you are actually doing something, right? So I can, I can definitely understand that. And I think a lot of our listeners can understand that, too. Yeah. So find any way to, to get there. I think even just, hey, I'm going for higher education. They'll be like, okay, <laughs> that's <laughs> great. I love it. it.
2: Yeah, I, I think a lot of times our parents, I and mean, it's all, you know, often in the best interest, but sometimes yeah. you don't, you know, you have to let your kids you know fail experience or or grow and uh and a lot of times i've noticed and i had this conversation my mom and dad they're using they're looking at us through the lens that they grew up in yeah and mm-hmm. it's not the same backdrop but you know it's all a learning experience you know i have to learn how to be a better son as long as they have to learn how to be a, a better parent so
1: which I think right. is a great segue to my next question, which is a lot <laughs> of what you do today in diversity yeah. communication and cross cultural um, mm-hmm. interactions, even if it's cross parental interactions. Yeah. How how is a lot of you know you brought up, you were brought up in different countries. You've traveled a mm-hmm. lot. You've had to really immerse yourself into different cultures, out of sheer like livelihood but today what are you what is your mission really with what you do now you I mean you're a tedx speaker you got a book out you got a podcast but what's the overall arcing mission that you have with what you do
2: yeah i mean the overall mission is, is is truly to fight systems of oppression and i i believe we live in a world that has sometimes archaic standards for certain groups of people right you know i remember as a kid i share another WTF story. <laughs> uh, we love it. We so, love it. <laughs> uh, so I, I was, uh, when I was the age of 10, my daddy got posted to, to Burkina Faso. It's a French-speaking country in West Africa. Ooh. And um, so I was the skinny Nigerian kid with a thick Nigerian accent, a French-speaking country in an American national school going through puberty. Whoa. Yeah. So pre-K <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I went to this American genital school, but pre-K to grade 12 was the combination of a maybe maybe if that 120 people. So everybody knew each other. Yeah. And I I was walking down, yeah, you know, I was 10 and trying to find myself and you, you hear someone making fun of your, your hair. Like, why does your hair curl up in a ball like that? Or what's your hair is so mm-hmm. weird. And I remember going back home wanting, you know, trying to convince my mom to straighten it. And because mm-hmm. I was like, I was using Baxter Boys and NSYNC as my frames of reference, and <laughs> he had to explain to me that you know it, the importance of your blackness and, and your your hair and and how that matters and. I say that story to say that was a beauty standard, right? That I was waiting, mm-hmm. I was looking at European standard, and the same sort of thing happens everywhere, right? In many parts, in schools, the history is taught from, you know, it doesn't. You don't teach pre-colonial history. You you teach history through uh, usually a, a white or European lens, not yeah. not celebrating the other things. And my goal in life is to expand all the stories that I can, all right, and and foster more, you know, critical thinking into those elements. And, and the industries I want to work with are in workplaces, which I, I do with my consulting firm, education uh, and media. And then mm. the overall overlying, uh, you know, arch behind that is, is is mental health. I think each of us, whether they're pronounced or, or, or suppressed, we have some childhood traumas or some traumas. 2020 was a traumatic year for anyone, even yeah. thinking about that. But we haven't had language to communicate through those things. And when you add mm-hmm. discrimination and things like that, it's some cultures just tell you suck it up and you don't process. And then it materializes in other parts of the world. So I, I'm really trying to promote vulnerability and expand
0: those stories that fight against those oppressive and suppress cool. that. that's That's awesome. We talk about um, specifically trauma a lot on our podcast. Yeah. It's so I love that. You do for real? That's amazing. Oh,
1: every, every podcast just somehow just pops up. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's that's something I talk about a lot is having the words and the language to discuss these, these deep yeah. inner issues. Mm. Um, and the more that we can have the words about it, like even discussing what like reactivity or um, trauma blocking, uh, all those kind of things are like if we have the words and we all know the words and we can discuss it, then we can move through it.
1: Yeah, it also uh, becomes less scary or less, you know, unfamiliar in a sense. though you're even yeah. more comfortable to approach it as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think
1: what you're doing is really, really great.
2: Yeah. Oh, awesome. whoa! Thank you so much. You're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but it's funny even to tie this back to the parent story. You know, and I we I talk about this to my parents. My parents know this. You know, I come from a culture where therapy isn't encouraged, be a man, don't be a mm-hmm. girl, all this stuff. And those are things I have to unlearn. And I, ironically, you know, you, you think about masculinity It's one of the things I love to do is to redefine masculinity. And I, I, I thought the ways to be cool were to be the silent type or like, like, or to be the, the one that, the, the, that was funny or the one that got, all, got all, all the ladies or all these things. These are the, the tropes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, as I was trying to do all these things as a kid, trying to fit into all these different parts of the world, I found that I was actually more of, more of an emotional person, more like my mom, and I was prone to outbursts. I didn't know how to, uh, yeah. <laughs> to communicate any of these things because they've always been told, i have always been told, don't show your emotions, but it was all yeah. brimming in there. And yeah. then eventually- It, it comes it out went, somehow. Yeah, it come out. And so I turned to writing. That's how I started writing since I was 15. And yeah. that helped me, you know, speaking a language. Understand that, and so I started having these uncomfortable conversations with my parents and other systems. And I said, "We need to reinvestigate traditions. So mm. these traditions aren't, frankly, they're toxic. You know, right? They're, they're not helpful. And um, so I love that you all, you two, uh, focus on trauma because I go to therapy every week. I talk about all my <laughs> my follies, and I try to do that with my platforms as well.
0: But uh, yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, you know, you you address a lot of things. Um, and your topic in general can be controversial, I believe, right? Like, because I used to do a lot of <laughs> gen- generation talks and, and consulting <laughs> for corporations. And we're just talking about baby boomers and millennials mostly, right? Yeah. And that just brought on a lot of people and a lot of heat and a lot of opinions sometimes. So yeah. I can imagine when you're talking about a lot of the stuff you're talking about, or even on your TikToks, you know, you, you talk about uh, one general that pops up in my mind recently was that you said that you li- you have lived through two coups um, yeah. around the world. And then, uh, you know, BLM happened this year as well. And so it's, you know, there's just a lot of hot topics going on. And you're kind of a good focal point for all those things. So kind of like help us, you know, all of us who are <laughs> listening to you with your insight, with all of this heat happening. How can people really begin to have conversations and also feel like they're in a safe place to have those conversations?
2: So in, in the book, I, I talk about it. I say, educate, don't perpetuate, instead of communicate. I'll, I'll break it down. I'm a poet, so I like to rhyme. Sorry. <laughs> but in, in the education part, it's about education of self and education of environment. Before you start anything, cross-cultural connection, connection with any point, you need to understand yourself. And to understand yourself... You need to know what your biases are, what your triggers are, what your values are. So you BTV, not MTV, tune into BTV. So um, so biases. A lot of times if you're trying to figure out what biases you might have, you have to reflect on, you know, you know, who your closest friends are, the, the three last three places you lived in. Um, and, you know. Maybe your last three relationships. I, I always ask that as well. And just reflect on, on things that make you feel safe. And, you know, mm-hmm. that could be, there could be some uh, interest there. But your biases also come from several things. They come from story, fear, avoidance, or security. So story, religion, or something that's been passed on to you, right? That, that's a version of a story. Or something you've come to accept as truth. Fear, maybe you've had experiences with a certain group of people. They've informed your thoughts, men, women people of color or your know, white people that, you know, fear, security, a way for you to feel better by yourself, mm-hmm. whether you're insecure or a way for you to protect yourself and avoidance, you know, a lot of people do that now. I don't want to talk about it, but mm-hmm. if you don't talk about any of these difficult topics, you have no idea of knowing how to do that, right? Knowing now, anything, right? You don't get to humanize or even understand another person's lived
0: experiences. So can I, mind. can I touch on that real quick and ask sure, you a sure, go ahead because I think that's so important and it's something that, I feel very strongly towards, and I'm always looking for my own confirmation bias. Mm. If if there's a situation, I like to see, am I really looking at this objectively, or am I looking at this through through a confirmation bias, and I challenge myself to look at the opposite viewpoint. Mm. Absolutely. What I find, though, is so many people are so ingrained in their viewpoint that they don't even understand that it's a biasness. Yeah. How do you poke someone... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to say, hey, Very
1: hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe you're biased on this because a lot of people won't even admit it to themselves that there's a bias in this.
2: You know, the first thing I can say, because yeah, it will make sense <laughs> if I'm you in this, it, by, I want people to understand biases don't make you good or bad. There, there's uh, not. There are some biases that turn into prejudices for sure. But yeah. any one of us had to have some sort of bias in order to protect. It's a protective mechanism. It's how our brains decide to do that. That's how we processed over years that we shouldn't probably step in front of a lion or or (laughs) any of this for several cave Not a good idea. Yeah, don't do that or don't, you know, don't put this into, you know, all these things. So Mm -hmm. coming at it from the lens, like, okay, what are the things, I always ask people this question, what are the things that make you feel safe, Mm -hmm. right? And then we'll have that type of question and, and I'd say, can you potentially see a world where what makes you safe is the direct opposite of what makes another person feel safe? And then we'll have them critically think through that. And then like, "Oh yeah, you know, I mean, I guess I could see if I'm in a place where no one likes the way I look or I've had this type of repeated experiences, fear, avoidance. Um, I can understand that. And having them really just process those type of things. uh, yeah, those are the ways that I've helped. And it doesn't always work, but I always like to do that because when I first came here, I used to get all these ignorant questions. Do you sleep with lions? Do you sleep with monkeys? were right. you watch all these things? And then I was like, when, when I wasn't angry, I, I was like, hey, you know, let, let's work through that. You saw that. What what informed that opinion? Well, you know, like I watched the lion kid. Uh, okay. So are you basing <laughs> it off of cartoons or you've actually had a comment? Uh, well, you know, you know, you start to see how they're like, oh, I came from that, so that's why it's very important to understand that. But the BTV moving on with this is the T part is the triggers. It's very important to know your triggers. What triggers you? I bullying, for example, triggers me. I've mm. you know uh, you know I've you know lived through that on government and the individual level. I, even though I wasn't physically bullied, but I've been ostracized, right? I've been emotionally bullied. I went to boarding school as well. And that used to happen to me a lot because I was different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so knowing your triggers helps you understand how you normally react to certain things. And when you are aware of that, you start to like, okay, this is happening. What do I do? All these things. And you have values. Most people in the world don't know uh, any of their core values. They don't know the five core values or four core values, three, two, maybe they know one. But how do you know if you're a good person or a bad person? If someone is a good person or a bad person, if you don't even know why you believe what you believe. If you don't know why you believe what you believe, you're reactive as opposed mm. to proactive. Yeah, because mm-hmm. something else is triggering that someone just got to, oh shoot we should probably have checked about the racial things here but if you are operating so my five core values are courage curiosity creativity compassion and joy four c's and one j if you intentionally choose to fill those value cups every day you're going to find yourself being proactively creating environments that expose you to different things right mm-hmm. you know compassion Connecting someone else to suffering. Even if music is one of your, your things, you're going to come across, it's usually the stories on the way to sharing that music that you remember. Like, I remember that concert when I went to this person. I know you like rock and a, or hard rock, metal rock. Because uh, I saw yeah, you doing it. Yeah, I it. could be different versions of, of how you get that. So you're BTV. And then you understand the education of your environment, which is how the same set of rules affect different sets of people. And then yeah. you understand what makes people feel the same the core emotions, anger, sadness, joy, as you start to understand that, that's the first part of really understanding how to connect across cultures because you're, you're knowing your best frame of reference and understanding the environment around you. And then the don't perpetuate is, as you're inform, informed of this, you now look at systems. What are the things that perpetuate those things? Am I going to a store that is separating hair products and calling this one ethnic hair or food and ethnic food or calling, you know, all these types of things, right? <laughs> Or in your workplace, are you looking at only a certain school or this? You start to see it because you're now able to look at those experiences. And then mm-hmm. the second part is communicate, which is to, to your point, it's really about opening dialogue. Are you too familiar with uh, yes and? For yes. example? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the <laughs> improv. Yeah, yeah. yeah improv. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, that concept of itself is you build upon something, right? You don't. This is you don't say no, but whatever situation is is mm-hmm. thrown at you, you're not agreeing or disagreeing. You're building on it. But having the ability to let people say something, and even if you disagree, because I disagree with a lot of things, um, it's the ability to have heard the other side of the story and say, okay, fine. That's what you're saying. This is what I'm saying. Okay, I see what you're saying. I don't see what you're saying, but I got to hear you out. We'll we'll see what we can do in terms of that. So learning how to open that dialogue and understanding that it's not an immediate thing, it's a journey, it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's what I feel is the framework.
1: Ooh, so there's two pieces in there that I think are really great to highlight. One piece is kind of this overarching theme that we also have in the podcast, which is awareness. is circling back and knowing who you are and your biases and so on. The second piece I found out of this is the curiosity piece. So again, just being curious and the other person being open to learning this culture or whatever it may be. I thought those two things
0: were for me. So the other big things that I really like about that is uh, understanding or like looking inward to say, why do I believe this thing I believe? If you don't know why you believe it, it's probably reactive. There it's we go. Probably something we were taught and maybe we can look at a different viewpoint. Yeah. Um, the other one, I actually had it written down because I wanted to talk about it as well, is if we believe something is a certain way, do, could that same set of rules affect different populations differently? Yes. Just because it's a rule or a law... It affects wealthy people in one way. It might affect people in poverty in one way. It might affect, you know, um, one culture one way, another culture a different way. And just that question that you ask, um, and the other one you said was, is there a world where this thing that makes you safe could make somebody else unsafe? Mm-hmm. That's such a huge question to me. Um, you've had a lot of different experiences kind of growing up, going through a whole lot of different um Schools and just environments. Another thing, and with that, you've put yourself—you've been forced into being the different one in a lot of different ways. And that was another big thing that you pointed out that people should actively try and um, do more of. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of expand your thoughts on on that? Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, when you think about diplomacy, my my dad was a diplomat, as I was saying. Your job is you you get posted out to the country and your job is to collect all this piece of information, whether it's government, immigration, finance, things that could help both countries out. And, and what that means is you find yourself in those type of worlds. And that taps into what you were saying earlier about me bringing up curiosity. But the idea of difference is if you are the minority everywhere you go, uh, like I was, you, you find that you have to learn about the quote unquote rules the social m- norms, or the environments, or what makes people feel like an American, or a, a Burkina Bay, or Vietnamese, or you know a Nigerian, and what makes people feel like th- th- that you you belong. And when people do that, you get exposed to different lived experiences. And how I I tell people to model that is find you know if it's a, if it's every week or every two weeks. Find a, a place or an environment virtually now, safely, <laughs> where yeah. you can be the, the the minority. So if you're a mm. Christian, go to a mosque, go to a synagogue, that type of thing. If you're engineering, go to your marketing team, have a conversation, grab someone off a of coffee. If you like DC, spend some time reading Marvel comics. If you like <laughs> all these yeah. all these sort of things, right? Fandoms. It, it's in every single area of our, our lives where, you know, you know. If you know go to an lgbtqia club all these things understand gender non-binary all these things and i find that each of us have multiple things that we can learn more about right mm-hmm. they're like oh shoot i didn't even know i know of it but i don't really know about it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and and knowing of and knowing about is very different right <laughs> right Absolutely. and so th- that's just what that is right that's what i'm trying to say and i mean if i'm using african for example africa is a big country people Unfortunately, sometimes group it as a group is as a country, like they say, it's a big, country, Africa's a big country, but it's a big continent, actually. Yeah, yeah. So, I was going say,
1: wait. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. No, but people always say, oh, yeah, it's just one big, co-. that was at least what it was told to me. It was whenever I come there, oh, that isn't that one big country, right? Oh, but you think yeah. about it,
1: yeah,
2: and you understand that it's over 50 countries, and even amongst ourselves because of the way it was formed. It was, we had all these artificial borders uh, with people that weren't necessarily meant to be countries or cultures or shared, that didn't have any shared history becoming one. Mm-hmm. That itself <laughs> is, it, we can learn amongst ourselves within that, within that, con- uh, that, that continent. The mm-hmm. same sort of thing can happen here in, in America. I, I'm sure Colorado's culture is different from a lot typical New York uh, culture, which is different from Boston, which is different from all that. We can learn. Is the point that I make it, and so we learn how to call continents, countries. And we learn <laughs> lived experiences from from other people as well.
1: You know, you make a really good point because I recently, somehow, I do. I like to watch a lot of React videos, specifically on like music. But this one guy came across my feed one day, and I was curious. So I was like, okay, it's this guy from the UK. So just you know, very young guy, never left England itself, and so he's like trying kind to. Of, like coronavirus was like his way of looking into the world because he's just stuck in his room. So he just watches these videos, geography videos about the United States. And so he's like watching, reacting to a video about the weird stuff in every single state or the accents of every single state or just like all these random videos. And I was like, hmm, I'm kind of wondering what he thinks. And so I'm watching this and it's just kind of a surprise what he finds surprising or interesting. And I even learned some things. So I'm like, I had no idea that Colorado liked that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's just really interesting to kind of see that perspective. And so there's, there's a lot of modalities. I feel like people can prep themselves to even, you know, if they're feeling very shy or unavailable to have those conversations directly yeah. with someone just go watch yeah. a react video it can really open you up to a conversation and connect yeah. with people across the world like like you and i on tiktok it was just like exactly oh, that's
2: shit. what happened here and it's also training your brain to understand how to get beyond the binary sometimes because yeah. there are some things yes you know right something could be hot or cold i guess depends maybe that's even has some nuances some people say it's a, it's hot it's cold it's different but understand how to expand beyond the binary because i find that a lot of people especially in the last year, I feel like if you're saying something, that means you're automatically against me. And mm-hmm. yeah, I go back and forth, you know, because then I'm like, wait, hold on. That's happening here, but that's not always happening here. Like this is different from that situation. And you have to be able to have that mental capacity to understand that? And mm-hmm. that's the reason for any war we've had. I called my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. It's the name of the book. But we have any, any problem we've had throughout history has been because of someone's or groups inability to understand anything different mm-hmm. religion you know gender and race whatever it's like we we need to civilize these people no we need to take our land. we need to did it, did it, that's crusades all these things and I'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if we don't change that that's that, that's that's the danger that 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 we have I and mean, then you get different extremist groups so mm.
1: yeah. you know here's a good question um I I think you could have some great insight on this. So, people that uh, have a certain voice, especially online, and maybe it's not even on video, maybe it's just like leaving trolling comments (laughs) on videos or things like that, right? And they just have a very specific point of view, and it's very harsh in terms of what they're saying, at least online. But then I kind of had to kind of I actually just thought of this a couple days ago because I saw a few comments in some creators I enjoy, and I was just like, the audacity and rudeness, like, holy crap. But then I asked myself, I was like, how long do they want to have this point of view? Are they even curious about opening up? And if they are, does that, does the fact that their activity online kind of holds them back to even want to go out because they've hold this mentality vocally, at least in a way? So why would I contradict that? And then all of a sudden people say I'm a hypocrite, right? Mm-hmm. So what would you say would be a good approach for that?
2: You know, something I'm a fan of uh, being, uh, you know, reclaiming your time and preserving your your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, because th- I there are moments, especially in my line of work, I can get anything from compliments to death threats. You have mm-hmm. to find your, <laughs> your boundaries. For me, the people that are influenced by the folks I usually can work with, but I don't spend my time on a lot of the like, let's say Trump or Kanye or, you know, someone, you know, all this is that are actively (laughs) going on. But I think everyone should define their own boundaries. But to your point, a lot of these trolls, if you really do a deep dive into them, it's what we were talking about earlier. They don't know themselves or know why they think what they think. They're Mm -hmm. followers or they're reacting or worse, which is why I don't like to spend a lot of time. They know what they're doing and they understand they're going to get profit from it but they know that people wouldn't do the work to critically think through that because people are just like, this guy said it, so it must be true. Those yeah. are the worst, I, you know, when you see this when you live under dictatorships. I saw you have all these propaganda and then you, <clears> as <throat> a kid, I was watching all these and I'd be like, oh, okay, so this, this coup, there was the attempted coup in um, 1990 and then the, the successful coup in 1993. Those were the two ones. And then you just start to see the, the pattern. You know, someone would say something and then in my mind, I'd be like, this person said the same thing the last person said what do you what, what what do you mean and they're like oh yeah 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 but it it people like to see that responsibility of critically thinking why and how and then when it, it reaches critical mass or so it finally affects their pockets or their livelihood mm. or their safety they're like oh maybe i should pay attention to it and then it's you've already given them enough time to amass a certain amount of power so That's one of the reasons I don't spend time on that. That's the boundary of identified. Now other people could listen and say, no, I'm really good in politics. And they could go there. And I give kudos to them, but I know that I would be eaten alive in politics because I can't keep quiet and I am not patient. (laughs) And I feel like I would be <laughs> burning all my bridges. <laughs> right. Other so th- that's why I say it's very important to know your boundaries. And so once you know yourself and you know your boundaries, it's very hard for those type of things to happen. But even if you get hurt by a, a comment, you know, my, my brother's on TikTok and he's, you know, he gets a lot as well. And, and, you know, I always tell people to just have grace on themselves, feel those mm-hmm. emotions um, and then remind yourself of what's real and what's imagined. Right. Yeah.
0: You aren't this person. That person is just projecting. And then, so I want to bring it back for a second and kind of talk about more your business journey because cool. um, yeah. we do have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to our podcast. Mm. Um, so you said basically you had started a following on Twitter. You kind of turned that into a following on uh, your podcast. What was your journey kind of past that point um, into your building your own business and your own brand?
2: It's a good question. So. Once I had quit the job and moved to the city and I, you know, I was using my MBA years to really understand myself uh, and what I was good at, I, I always tell entrepreneurs to really get intimate with the problem they were trying to solve. That's what the journey I was, I was trying to figure out. I was like, what about my experience makes me a problem solver? Ooh. I know things I'm interested in. I was like, I'm interested in international relations, this or that. I love marketing. I love storytelling, all, all these things. And then it all came down to the idea of, Identifying the problem, and the problem that I wanted to solve is why people, you know, don't feel like they have spaces enough to fully be themselves. That that that's where it started, and so I let that that was my overarching thing. I let that be a guide, and so it became the podcast. I was like, okay, if I don't know the answer myself, if I have an idea of the answer, I want to confirm it, and so I started inviting different people who grew up in the same way I did, Mm. and then I wanted to get their perspective on what they thought you know global identity was or how to embrace who they were and through that I started to f- you notice some themes and patterns I was like oh this is what I think and this is what I thought and and then you start to get confident with that but I would encourage any entrepreneurs who are thinking about problem solving or, uh, or fixing a problem do the research for you know get some data which is what my my podcast was and and mm. figure out the, the the trends and the uniqueness in each of these things and then you know ha- have those uh means to you know to publish those things and once you publish them you start to be able to test out you know in entrepreneurs you we have a prototype right so that's your prototype you see something worked something you thought was going to work didn't work and something else surprised you then you get back in the lab and so I got back I got back in the lab It was time to graduate and I and I didn't quite know how to to monetize this so I thought let me do a magazine an online magazine I'll get all these people <laughs> from from different parts of the world that i'll expand the podcast into that uh turns out it didn't do well <laughs> <laughs> but you but i got information i was like okay people want more of me and my story and not mm-hmm. me doing all that and then I, I was still fighting through some imposter syndrome i was like me mm-hmm. what I, me what i i was hiding behind the idea of interviewing others <laughs> and okay. then i i started realizing let me ask for feedback So I I would ask for feedback from the audience, not just from the guests this time. And so the audience would say, well, I really don't know what it's like to get a job here. I really don't know what it's like to to work through these deep emotional feelings. I don't have any space to talk about this. And then I started sharing my stories about those things. And people were like, I thought, you know, you start to hear, I thought it was only me or thank you for doing that. You gave me that confidence. And then when I got, uh, you know, I got fired twice on the path of doing this because I was taking different jobs (laughs) to do this. When I finally got fired a second time, I said, enough is enough. I'm going to put everything I've learned into a framework and put it in my, my, my website, I encourage everyone to have a website, and I'm going to define myself the way I know uh, I want others to see me. L- effectively lived across, you know, these countries, worked in these environments, understand this intimately. Uh, these are some of my frameworks, and now it's time to get clients after you've mm. done the done definition. And from clients, I identified who my ideal target audiences were. Maybe there were HR, CEOs, uh, marketing of, uh, you know, uh, officials. And so I reached out to a bunch of them on LinkedIn. I said, I have this framework. I wonder to try it out with your audience. You know, We can exchange referrals if you like it. Uh, maybe I can record it if one there. And then at the same time, I just started pitching to a bunch of TEDx organizations. And eventually... Some people liked what I had to say and they, they started referring me out and they started sending testimonials. At the same time, TEDx finally started saying, yeah, we like the same story that you're doing. And it all coincided with uh, the elections, the last election. Mm-hmm. Where okay. when, the, when Trump got elected, people started doing research on how do we get to this point where we can't talk about politics. And I had been writing about these things for years at this point and my blog and all these things. And then it, it, it you know, it started to just show up. We're like, "Oh, Ty's been talking about this. Oh, and he has a TEDx coming up here, and he's worked at this company." And then they knew a central place to go because it was on my website. Right. And that was that was the that was the thing. But it was a long, windy journey. Uh, but in retrospect, as you're looking at that, it's you start to build those foundational elements that make you easy to be found, but make your problem solving clear to the intended audience.
1: I want to highlight something here with you. Is that In this podcast, we we tend to say, what I feel like you also went through, which is you're just been prepping yourself and preparing yourself mm-hmm. to get lucky that one day. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like a lot of preparation to get lucky. And a lot of people think, oh, you get lucky to get lucky. It's like, no, it's like, a, it's like one of those like overnight success stories, right? You prepped for 10 years for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and So yeah. it's like, so that's really what you were doing. And it was through a curious and exploratory mindset. And yeah. I really, really appreciate that. And I think David and I both do that as well, mm-hmm. as and I think our listeners want to do more of that too. But yeah. There's this hesitation to be curious to explore, right? Whether it's in your in other cultures or even just within yourself, right? And, and to put
0: the content out there is, yeah. I you think, the hardest there, thing for a And I'll tell you, audience, this: there's a, the other version, the
2: other side of this story is. The near-death experience, moved to a city you don't know anyone, broke, (laughs) fired twice, (laughs) fired twice, and and figuring out how to live in the first or second most expensive city in in, in America. These things were happening in tandem. So whenever – I don't want anyone to think that this was always happening and that nothing was there, but these things were happening. You deal with the pressure from parents. Like, you have – you shouldn't be doing this, Tyler. You have an MBA. What are you doing? Just go get it. But I was like, No, I'm gonna figure this out. I I'm also, gonna keep posting my blog. Yeah, this is important. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm, I'm gonna keep doing this. I'm gonna meet up. Um, I remember one time that it's from the place I, I got fired from, and my we're still friends to this day. the second time I got fired was from my my boss, uh, my mentor, I guess. But he he had noticed that I was doing nine to five and five to nine. I would like do the nine to five and then I'll rush out to go do some speaking engagement. And he was like, uh-huh. I, I took a peek at your calendar. And it doesn't seem like you're interested in this job. I'm <laughs> and I was like, wait, I can't just fire me. I need to pay rent. And he just said, you figure it out if this is what you want to do. And yeah. he just yeah. cut it off. And, but it was one of those things where, you know, I was very grateful we did that because many of us were in that in that bar and we mm-hmm. don't want to let go yet because we we're afraid of the fall yeah the interesting thing about a fall is you can get back up
0: if you choose to but Mm -hmm. i want to point that out because that's such a ridiculous situation if you (laughs) think about it like (laughs) just from face value like you're probably working as hard as anyone else at work maybe you're not the hardest worker but yeah. you're probably not the least hardest worker. Yeah. not the least. <laughs> but, but as soon as work is over, you're out. I
1: work enough yeah. to stay, but I don't work too hard to be noticed. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And the fact that your your manager or your boss was like, Hey, I notice that every day as soon as it's five o'clock, you leave. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like you're a good fit for this workplace. But and it's like, but I'm not being paid after five o'clock. Right. Why do I wanna yeah. why do I wanna keep investing my time and my energy into this place? Yeah. And I can be investing it back into myself. Yeah. And then yeah. get fired for, for that. That's, that's crazy to me. Because I see that happen a lot. And I come from mm. the retail industry where yeah. it's even worse.
2: Oh, my gosh. I can imagine. Yeah. If it's retail, I can imagine. <laughs>
0: yeah. But
2: it's, it's just, you know, it's one of those things where you, you, when you're faced with yourself, you have to figure it out. And the biggest obstacle for me was figuring out how to stay in the country without, you know, because I, when I graduated... Oh, yeah. Right. You, you, you have one year They give you one year to find the job
1: mm-hmm. or
2: you go back home or you go to school or all that. And so me and my ridiculous uh, naivety and confidence or wherever, I, I don't know what this thing is. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to get the h- it's H-1B It's h visa. I'm not going to get the H-1B visa, which is a visa that a company gives you if they want to hire you. And they're only limited amount every year.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
2: so and it's basically a lottery system. It's essentially that. And so I was like, I don't want to do that because the chances are, as I'm still exploring myself, I I don't want to be tied into the company that gives me the visa. I was already did that, and I don't want to do that. And now people were like, but you're not a citizen. What do you mean? (laughs) You you can't just choose all these. I was like, no, I'll figure it out. (laughs) I don't know where. I was just going la-di-da. And then I was doing a photo shoot because someone had um, said, hey, we love your podcast and it's, it's growing and it's ranked this it's doing that We want to cover your story we love your you, you know you, you're thin and then in the process the the person interviewing me was also an international student she said have you ever considered the o1 visa and i was like i don't know what the o1 visa is they never told us about that it's like yeah it's for actors and entertainers but for you since you're not an actor and entertainer it's for you have to have an extraordinary skill the the alien is basically the visa is called visa for aliens with extraordinary ability you have huh. hmm, three out of seven criteria you have to meet, usually like Nobel Peace Prize winners, or you have to have someone to it. And ah. so- or really Yeah. You have to be, you have and to be a charming music.
0: personality.
2: <laughs> it's, not, it's not even that. So I went there and went to my lawyer and she, she said, there's no way that you qualify. You haven't even done anything. And then I, I, went to, I went back to her and I said, well, you told me about this visa. Can you recommend me to your lawyer? And then I talked to her lawyer and the lawyer says, give me the lawyer speak. Just like- Well, I've seen people with less than this get it and people with more than this get it. And I was like, but she said, but if you can find a job in addition to this, that will make it easier because you're still just starting out. And so, uh, you know, my boss, the job my boss had given me that fired me, that was around the time I was like, look, Rob, yes, I can work on this and that. (laughs) I just need to to be able to to have this. And I, and I, I was working there for a little bit. And I don't know what it was defined timing, but it came at the time I needed. And so they were able to file for me under multiple employers, oh. myself, uh, because of my company, I was building it, and then, <laughs> and, and then uh, the company I had. So by the time I got fired, because I, I was I, I was already building my company and all that, uh, it kept me in the country. And now I've been able, you know, now, and since then I wrote a book, and I did a few TEDx talks, and I have launched a consultant firm, but... I don't know. I just was following what I felt like I needed to do, and and it worked out, but it didn't look like it was going to work out for the longest time.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that what could. do you think is the one takeaway? Let's start with this whole round thing, but what's the number one takeaway or lesson you learned in this conversation or something you will implement once we walk away from this conversation?
2: What did I learn in this conversation? Um, I mean, I, I think I, I got reminders, uh, essentially, just to... to, to be mindful of the environment you you put yourself in. I think always continue, always make sure that things aren't fixed. Your dreams, mm. your goals, your your ambitions, yourself. But uh, don't be afraid to call yourself out or to be humble enough to listen to people you trust, reminding you of things that you're doing that are stranger to yourself. And, and those are just things that you know that I reminded myself uh, about because you made me go down memory lane, and so I was thinking, yeah. Stay true to this dialogue.
1: <laughs> We've done <So>. our job. <laughs> yeah,
2: that was
0: the secret mission. <laughs> yeah. Mission accomplished.
1: What about you, David? What's your takeaway?
0: So for me, probably my favorite thing that was discussed, and that can be applied immediately to anyone mm-hmm. listening, is to put ourselves in a position of discomfort, to put ourselves in a position where we're the minority or the odd one out. Uh, no matter what that looks like, to under to better understand if we're biased in a certain way or not.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's just one thing. The more people do that one act of just being in the uncomfortable, being yeah. a different person, yeah. uh, I think that leads to a more connected world. I agree. Hold
1: what about then. yourself? I think my one takeaway is really looking into the biases. Um, I come from an area that is very right-winged, uh, very rural, and very cowboy up, right? And that definitely put a lot of, I could say, certain undertones in me moving forward. I've always been very open, always loved everyone, been a huge traveler, been a huge history buff, like I love it all. But I catch myself sometimes where I'm just like, where did that thought come from? Or why did I respond so angrily against that? And I always have to kind of go, those are my biases. That's a lot of my upbringing. And I have to kinda of remind myself of that. And um, so yeah, just kind of keep going into the biases it was a good reminder for me.
2: It's good. Yeah, we all have them. We all have them. Mm-hmm. No matter how liberal or conservative we are, we all have them. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, thankfully I got out of that area. But <laughs> <laughs> I love them all, but I don't want to be there forever. Um, you know. <laughs> Awesome. Oh, I love this. This has been an awesome interview. Thank you yeah. so much for being with us on this podcast. And if people um, want to follow you, I always suggest TikTok. But if people want to follow <laughs> you or check you out, where do you suggest they should go?
2: Well, I'm, I think I'm the only Tyroxin in the world. So you, you just type in Tyroxin. You can find me on tyroxin.com or IG, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, and my podcast is called As Told by Nomads. Or you can just get the book. Use your difference to make a difference. There you go. We'll put a link
0: to that in our show notes All
1: links will be in wherever these show notes are with this uh, video and audio. So thanks for listening to the I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about or doing. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Good to meet you. Good to meet you, too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Don't Know What the Fuck I'm Doing podcast.
0: We can't do this without you. And to reward you for your support, we would like to invite you to something unique.
1: Go to beacons.ai forward slash IDKWTFPOD to schedule a complimentary 15-minute phone call with one of us.
0: You can also find the link in the description.
1: We're here to brainstorm with you on different solutions for your business or life.
0: We want to hear your feedback about our podcast or even just schedule some time to say hi.
1: Not only that, but anyone who chats with us will get a voucher for $100 in restaurant coupons.
0: Schedule some time today and we look forward to seeing you on our next episode.